<laughs> can you see dead people? Well, I can. And in this special Halloween episode with my friend Marla, the mystical matchmaker, and so much more, we're going to talk about ghost stories, which he tales from Marla's recent visit to Salem, Massachusetts, dream paralysis, and more spooky stuff right here on the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. So stay tuned. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ronnie Ann Ryan, your go-to intuitive coach bringing real talk to the mystical realm on the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast. Feel like the universe or your spirit guides aren't delivering? Maybe you're confused by esoteric lingo or which healing method to try. Well, you're in the right place because who has time for confusion when you're trying to build a business, find love, heal and recover, or leave your partner or job? I'll turn that mumbo jumbo into clear, actionable steps that fit easily into your life. So buckle up, open that heart chakra, and let's cut through the cosmic fluff together, shall we? Good fortune favors the bold and those who aren't afraid to call it like they see it right here on the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast. Just a short pause before we get on with the Halloween hijinks. This time of year with Halloween, the veil is thin, the readings are exceptional. Want one? I'm offering 10-minute mini readings for just 25 bucks. Here's how it works. You purchase the special at intuitiveedge.biz slash Halloween. Then email your question to me. I'll send you back a recorded message answering your question in 24 to 48 hours. Easy and fun. The spirits are calling you, so get a mini reading today. You'll be shocked at how much fits in just 10 minutes. Intuitiveedge.biz slash Halloween. Hi, and welcome to this Halloween edition of the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. And I'm here with a good friend, Marla Martinson. Now, she's been on the podcast a couple other times. You may remember her, but I'm just going to let her introduce herself and tell you a little bit about what she does, because there's a lot of stuff going on there. Marla. Hey, Ronnie. This is so fun. I love these pop-up podcasts. I know. I'm excited. (laughs) we got some fun things to talk about. So just tell the the listeners, you know, just a little bit about yourself to remind them. Yeah. My name is Marla Martinson, aka The Mystical Matchmaker. I have been a professional matchmaker for over two decades. I'm located in Los Angeles, and now I also have a home in Seattle, Washington, where I grew up. I was born and raised in the city of Tacoma, which is called the City of Destiny, which is kind of cool. Seattle's the Emerald City and Tacoma's the City of Destiny. And when I was like looking up things about Tacoma for one of my books, I came across that and I thought, oh, isn't that cool? Because I'm all into magic and doesn't destiny sound magical? I'm also an author. My latest book, The Magic Seeker, is available. I got to interrupt you. I loved The Magic Seeker. It was so much fun. And the other night I was bored in the middle of the night because I was awake. And I'm like, what am I going to read? I I just opened your book again on my Kindle. I'm like, I'm going to read this again. It was so much fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's got a lot in the way I came up with the title. So if anybody out there is a writer, an author, you know, a lot of you are creative people. One of the most challenging things is finding a title for the book. And I will just sit with it. I'll ask my spirit guides, please send me something. Please send me a brilliant insight because you want a title that's catchy, that's good, that's very challenging, especially for a memoir. And I was talking to a friend during the writing of it and she's, and we're just chatting. She goes, well, you know, Marla, you're really just a magic seeker. And I said, that's it. That's it. That's the name of it. So it chronicles uh, some time in my life. Recently, a lot of the spirit 
spiritual awakening, a lot of the modalities that I do. So I'm also an energy healer. I read tarot. I'm a life coach and a matchmaker. So Gemini, hey, you know, if any of you are Geminis out there, you probably don't have enough time in the day to get everything done that you want to do. So (laughs) all right. Well, that sums it up. Today, we're going to talk about things having to do with or around Halloween. And I know you just took a magical trip from the West Coast to the East Coast to Salem, Massachusetts. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience and if you had any kind of witchy, magical things going on. So let's hear about that. Yes. So I have a shaman named Riz Mirza and he's, and I chronicle him in the magic seeker, him and his spirit guide, Red Eagle. He is a full body trans channel. So he will leave his body and the spirit guide comes in and talks through him. His voice is completely different as man, everything. It's amazing. And one of the things that Riz does, he's located in LA, but he, he and his wife, Oriya, they lead sacred retreats all over the world and in the United States, Pan and Egypt and Ireland and India. He's East Indian from the Bronx. I went on a Sedona retreat. That was a bucket list thing for me with him in March. And this time when he announced at the Sedona retreat, oh, we're going to do Salem in October. I said, oh my God, because for years I've wanted to do Salem in the month of October. I love fall. I love the leaves changing. I love, I'm from Seattle. I love that weather and New England and the witchy stuff and the history. And so I said, I'm in, I signed up immediately. So there was 11 women that came and then he he and his wife, Oriya, we stayed in an Italian villa in Manchester by the sea, which is the most beautiful, amazing, magical town with all these old homes. And it's just, oh my God. And the villa had 10 bedrooms and Whoa. it was a hundred years old. Yeah. It's so amazing. So we stayed in Riz cooked us breakfast every morning. It was three mornings, three nights there. And I had my own room up in the top which was really nice. And he went, uh, before we got there, he walked around to feel the energy and he said, oh, that's the most haunted room here. We'll put Marla there. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, thank you. Thank you. But what I really did though, was at night I did say, hey, you guys, spirits, if you're here, just let me, I I just want to sleep. Don't do anything, you know, don't, nothing happened there. But Oh, good. So then we went into Salem every day and we just did amazing things. There was one tour, this woman, she's called the the Mushroom Witch. She like has a degree in biology and botany and all this. And she took us through a, on a forest walk and pointed out different plants to that area, mushrooms, different things, talked all about it in the land. Then we had a gal, a tour from this witch called Venus. She's like a love witch. Her altar is to the goddess Venus and she's dressed in pink and red and she is adorable little blonde originally from Long Island but she's been living in Salem for 10 years and she gave gave a tour and talked about and we sat by the water she talked about the ships and the sailors that would come and why it's called witch city because when the sailors would come in they'd come and sit at at the bar find a pub and they'd talk to people they say hey what's the deal with this town? What? And they talk about the Salem witch trials. And then people would ask, oh, what was it like there in Salem? And they said, man, it's a witch city. So it got the name <laughs> witch city. We also went to the, the part where the exact spot where the, the innocent accused were hung. And they have a, like a tree with all their names. And then there's their names engraved um, below. And we did a little prayer and just honored those people. And they've and, all been exonerated. 
Yes. Well, afterwards, I learned that after the trials and everybody was hung and everything, one of the girls, because it was started with two young girls who started convulsing or doing weird things, accusing, yeah. she, one of them came in court and said it wasn't true. Oh my yeah. God. So yeah. Um, but you know, so I'm only recently though, they only recently oh. exonerated a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, everybody, anybody in back the then, Puritans who came over and the, that, you know, they were highly religious. Everything was based in fear. They were fearful of the Indian attacks, you know, the natives, they were fear of, of illnesses. They were fear of, you know, Satan, because on the pulpit, the reverend would always talk fire and brimstone and they were very, pure, you know, Puritan types. So it was a very kind of dark time and, and people would accuse, I mean, let's say a woman's a widow and she lives next door somewhere, her property, and the husband of another woman looks at her or talks to her. Maybe that wife is jealous and says she's a witch. She's, you know, people would, would accuse people for nothing, you know, that was a very horrible time. But then, but so many witches, and then we learned that the reason there's so many witches there now and it's so touristy is because in the 60s, bewitched Elizabeth Montgomery, they had a, one of the episodes there when she oh, went. Was there. It? And then, yeah, and then that became, it was so cool. And then there's a woman called Lori Cabot. She's the witch of Salem and she's the most famous witch. She's from the 70s. I guess she, back in the 70s and her cat was stuck in a tree and, and she tried to call the fire department. They wouldn't come and help her. So finally she called and said, Hey, I'm a witch and my familiar is in the tree and I need you guys to come down and get it. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were so intrigued. They came over and then yeah. the word got out. Oh my gosh, <clears throat> she's a practicing witch. She's not afraid to say it. And then other witches came and there's so many interesting women there that we met that have come in from other places and moved there and now they're giving tours or they're giving readings or have a shop and they're just wonderful and um it's and the food is great i love great restaurants wonderful shopping the buildings that we went in the judge's house the judge that judged all of the at the witch trials his house is still there we got to tour it so old you know from the 1600s i loved it i would love to go again I thought New England was so magical and it was great. And oh, okay, so a paranormal experience that happened. So we oh, wait, did. Before you go there, I just want to say that the Cabot family name is one of the first families from Boston. So in other words, even though she was there in the 70s talking about, I'm a witch, come get my familiar out of the tree, got a very long established lineage behind her in terms of being one of the first in America. So she's got a long history here in the country. That cabin. And now I think she's 90 years old. I'm pretty sure now. Oh, so wow. Still practicing. She's still around and that's really cool. Okay. So yeah, we went on this one tour. It was like a, a ghost hunting. So the place that we went was you go downstairs and above, directly above would have, the building was the courthouse where the trials took place. So we're under that and down there's different rooms and it's, I don't know, industrial type, you know? And so this woman was really cool who gave the ghost hunt. So she, in each room, we, we broke out in groups and we'd go in the dark room and there was different ghost hunting machines you know, machines or whatever you call it, like one, like the ghost box or, you know, like a kind of a walkie talkie thing. And there's one that just goes through different radio stations super fast. So it's like this white noise and it sounds like, Shh, sh. and then you can talk and hear to them and to the ghost. And then maybe they'll talk through that. And they that. talk through those things? They, yeah. They record it? They record yeah, they talk through, we're not recording it, but it's coming through because of the white noise. You can hear okay. a voice. 
I was holding it at one point and they did say a couple things, but they, nobody was really coming through. And so we're all sitting there. And I finally said, I said, okay, well, you know, we've got to go. So I wish you would have come through, but good night. And right away, a man's voice said, good night, <laughs> right through it. And everyone was like, oh my God, this was so cool. That is amazing. Yeah. So those kind of uh, ghost boxes and, you know, you could buy them on Amazon or there's different, uh, what do you call it? Tool, you know, tools. That was pretty magical. Yeah, that is magical. Well, you know, I, I just wanted to touch back into Salem again, because I went there with my husband and maybe in 2021 or 2022. And, it, you know, it was still very COVID like everybody had a mask on. You had to wear masks outside on that main street where all the doors were and everything at that time. But anyway, my favorite thing there was they had that giant like bronze monument to Bewitched. And so yeah, the statue of Elizabeth Montgomery. Yes. And so of course there was like a hole, the way it was designed, there was like a hole around her, the side of her and her hair and that you said that you could see through it. So I stood behind it Mm. (laughs) and then got my picture taken so you could see my face kind of standing behind her. And that was, that was so silly and fun. I always loved that show when I was growing up. I know. I love it. And I Dream a Genie. I loved all the magic shows. Oh my God. That one too. Yes. Yes. Oh my God, that was awesome. The other thing I was thinking that we could talk about is any other from any time in our lives, any other ghost-like or, you know, weird avant-garde things that have happened. And, you know, when I was house hunting, I went into this house in this area where the realtor was like so into the school system and the principal there. And I was just like, blah, blah, blah. I don't have children, so it didn't matter to me how good the school system was. But she was just going on and on and on. And all I could think of was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait till this comes out. And I didn't really know anything. But anyway, she I'll tell you that part after. So she had to show me this house. And there were a lot of adorable two-bedroom houses, which made them more affordable. And so I went into this one house. And we went upstairs. And I was like, no, we have to get out of this house right now. Like, I can't tell you that anyone spoke to me. But definitely all the hairs on the back of your neck, on my arms, they were all standing up. I'm like, somebody died here let's get out and she just looked at me I'm like I don't care what you think out of the house we have to get out so later on we found out that they were falsifying a lot of the testing oh in the school system and you know and that was a whole huge scandal but you know the realtors were all bouncing off of how great the school system was so that that cracked me up but anyway I have encountered (laughs) When I was house hunting, I did encounter a few houses that, you know, there was one um, that my husband and I looked at in the town I live in now. And part of the house was built in the 1700s and part of the house was built in the 1800s. And it was so old that upstairs, they didn't have this concept of hallways. I don't know what they were thinking. You'd walk through room after room, like it was just odd. And there was one room they were using as a closet and that room was cold. You know, that classic, creepy kind of ghost story thing where the room was really cold. And I was never going to buy that house anyway. It was so weird. But I came downstairs and the owner was there. And I'm like, so do you ever see the ghost or what's going on? She goes, what ghost? I'm like, come on. How can you not? I mean, how long you lived here? What ghost? Like, okay. (laughs) Well, 
talking about, you know, when people do think they're afraid if somebody died somewhere, you know, somewhere, yeah. but I, my mother just passed away last month and she, um, you know, she was at home and hospice would come once a day for like a half an hour, but I was the one who had to administer the morphine and, oh you know, gosh. take care of her. And it was, it was very traumatic, but she had always said she loved her home. And she says, always said, I just want to die right here, you know, at home. And she did, she died in her bed. And, you know, when I walked in, I was right in the other room. I kept peeking in. It was, she was un unconscious, but I was so afraid to just be right with her and sit with her when it, because I was so afraid she'd wake up and be uncomfortable or in pain or something probably wouldn't have happened. But I, she, it had happened at one point that a couple of days prior and I was, my cousin was staying there with me and helping me. So I would just keep peeking it, you know, looking in every few minutes. And then at one point, my cousin came, you know, walked up, it was in the middle of the night and she had stopped breathing, but it's, I, it's like, it's nothing to be afraid of because if we think of how many billions and billions of people on the planet have died before oh, us sure. over, and they've died everywhere. I mean, everywhere yeah. you walk is, you of know, course. and it's nothing to be afraid. Now, if somebody was brutally murdered, maybe massacred or something, you can think, okay, maybe there's going to be some imprint of something but in general i would encourage people not to be afraid of that it's just the soul leaving the body going home and it's happened well, every but yeah i i completely yeah. agree with you but what i was experiencing you know they might have just died in the house but they got lost like your mother had mm -hmm. you and she had a passing and she went on she went forward to hopefully the light of heaven or whoever, whatever your beliefs and, you yeah. know, going back to spirit and going back to her soul family or whatever it is. And that's what my belief system is, but there are souls who get stuck. And so when I was experiencing that somebody died in that house, what I was experiencing was that that person didn't move on. Right. Didn't move on. Now a question here for that. Now I, yeah. And I'm just saying it for the people listening, if they have any fears, and I would say, so what if a soul is still hanging around and didn't move on? What's the likelihood that they would hurt you or anything would happen? Well, of yeah. course. Yeah. And I had a guest, I don't know how long ago, could be a, over a year ago. So I went back to look it up. It was Tina Irwin and the podcast was Meet Tina Irwin and her ghost stories with happy endings. I put the link in the show notes. And she had a prayer that I have available that she gives freely to everyone. We just say this prayer and ask the angels to come in and help them move on and go wherever. And she said she's done that prayer all over the world. And mm. she's had other people write in like there was somebody who did battlefield, maybe in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and they walked through the battlefield saying this prayer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they said they kept hearing. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Now that's somewhere I'd like to go because people always talk about that, that it's very profound to go there and the experiences that they see and all that. It's, it's sad. It's painful, but it's profound. Yeah. I'm sure no, you get sure. there, right? What it, I don't, I, I don't think so. I don't think I've been to Gettysburg. I went to the cemetery in Oahu that was for the people who died in World War II. That cemetery held a lot of the Navy guys who had died in the bombing of Pearl Harbor. So I, I have been there. Yeah, but I haven't been to, I actually haven't been to Gettysburg. So I know some people love cemeteries. Yeah, love I do. To, do you? They love to look at the, the gravestones and, and the old gravestones. Yeah. I can tell you that when my aunt passed, 
and we only had a service by the gravesite. There was a big headstone on either side of her gravesite. I ended up seeing her sitting there on the other gravestone while they're burying her body. And the weird thing about that was she was young. Like I didn't know her when she looked the way she looked when I saw her, but here's the freaky part. So she was just sitting there smiling. She didn't really say anything to me. I just noticed her and went, woo. And then we went back to my cousin's house where we were, you know, having some food and, and she had a picture of her mother was the exact way she looked when I guess she was like 35 and I had never seen the picture. And I didn't know her mother when she was 35 because I came out. So did you just think that was a random human person sitting there? You didn't think oh, it no. was Oh, a... no. I knew it was my aunt. Oh, okay. Which was odd because, but she was just so young. I had right. never seen her look that young before. So that now, was, was this the first time, Ronnie, that you had seen a, a ghost, an apparition? A, I mean, was she solid? Was it see-through? She was not what? solid. It was, I felt like I saw her in my mind's eye as if she was kind of like a see-through projection okay. sitting there. So she wasn't like solid 3D or anything, but yeah. I knew she was there. Is that the first time when my uncle died, my mother's brother, as I was driving away, I was in the car alone and my uncle, my grandmother, his mother, and my grandfather, who I never met, he was gone before I was gone, were sitting in my car while I'm driving. And I'm like, whoa, like, what are they doing here? And they didn't really say anything. They just, I don't know, came to visit. That really freaked me out. I got to because that was definitely the first time. But at my father's funeral, I did see him at a distance. And at my mother's funeral, I was standing in front of a stage. It was kind of a weird place where I, we were doing the service and the eulogy. And then when there was a stage behind us, and when I, when the whole thing was over and I turned around, I saw her sitting on the stage with her legs crossed and hanging over the front of the stage. And I'm like, mom, you're sitting on the stage. She goes, why not? It's my funeral. I'm like, okay. Honey, this is incredible. This is incredible. <laughs> that's a lot. I mean, that's I know, that is a lot. Like I love the woo woo, but sometimes I'm like, there's only, I, I'm a little skittish on some areas, you know? But anyway, what about you? I would you love to see. I would love to see. I haven't. I have a lot of experiences at night, but not seen, but it's, they do, they, they do things. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> but I, it's okay. It's, it's like, I, I, I can share if you want, but I get the, have you ever had sleep paralysis? Yes. Yeah. The sleep paralysis. So that would happen to me since I was a kid and they'll come and hold me down and recently, last year, this happened twice. I was up at, I, I've been living with my mom for the past two and a half years. And it was a good thing because I took care of her. But so I was there in my bed and one night and my dog wasn't with me. She was in LA with my husband. So she was there. She wasn't even with, because at first I thought, oh, it's the dog. But I was laying in bed and I feel, and I'm on kind of on one side of the bed and I feel at the other side, some rustling of the blankets. And I was like, oh my. And then I thought, oh, it's Macy. And then I'm like, no, Macy's not here. And I said, oh, uh -oh. who is that? And then all of a sudden, some hands came up from underneath the mattresses and hold both my wrists. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I was like, Archangel Michael, uh, Jesus, you know, get, and then I always did, would do that because I would just panic, like, let go, let go. And then finally they always let go. They do that a lot. They'll hold me down and then they'll let go. I talked to Red Eagle about this because Riz has circle, a circle of light where, which I'm going to go to one in November and 
there'll be about 15 of us and we'll sit and he'll leave his body. Red Eagle will come in and you can ask him any, anything and he'll talk to you. Yeah. Right. And so I said to Red Eagle, what, you know, talk to him about it. He goes, well, he goes, how do you know that that's not your spirit guides trying to get your attention? He goes, we used to do that to Riz when he was young. We'd put touch him. We'd spar with him. We'd try to get his attention. How do you know? And then he says, and then anyway, if you're afraid, instead of asking Archangel Michael or Jesus, next time, you know what you do? You say, hey, Archangel Michael, watch this. And you take care of it. You control the energy. You control yourself. You are oh, in control. That's so very like, empowering. Oh yeah. So then if, when it happens again, I was not so scared. Now this was really incredible. Okay. This it's still magical. And you know that these are real incidents. It's not a dream because they are isolated incidents. They are so they, you feel it. You're awake with your eyes closed years later. I feel the same thing. I, I can recall it just as if it happened yesterday. So anybody thinks oh maybe it's a dream these aren't dreams it's so amazing so anyway I'm laying there on my stomach in my bed at my mom's house and in the at night and all of a sudden I feel on my back going up my spine like some like somebody's working on me energetically and I said oh my god the spirit guides are working on my kundalini or my energy on on my back on my spine I could feel it it was like it was like an energetic attunement and then I was like this is so cool and then I'm laying on my side and all of a sudden there's somebody I feel someone spoon, you know, when you spoon your lover, yes, you spoon yes. somebody and his hand was holding my hand, a hand. And I turned to look, but this is in the astral. I didn't really turn my head and open my eyes. My eyes are closed, but I turn and look and I see an East Indian man with, with straight black hair going down the parted in the middle, going down to his about to the chin length. And he looked to be, maybe he was 45 or 40 something. And I, and I said, oh, you're my Indian husband. And he said, yes. <gasps> and, and yeah. And, and he was holding me and then he was gone. And I was like, oh my God, the feeling was so much love. It was so amazing. And I knew, oh, this is a husband from a past life. You know, you're so lucky that you were open to that. So you could feel the love instead of going into fear and missing out on that. Like, I don't know if I could have been that open, you know, like that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. It was just like, well, I loved, see, I've been trying to work on, I would love to have a Kundalini awakening, you know? So I've been doing a lot of energy work, getting a lot of energy work done, a lot of body work. I'm doing tons of yoga, stopped alcohol, all of this so that I can maybe, I'm just feeling like I'm ready for that next step. And so the spirit guides know this. And so that's what I felt they were working on my spine. And then when I felt literally him holding my hand, it was just so amazing. And this is astral, you guys. So if anybody's confused, I'm often, well, in the dream state, we go out of the body and we're in our, in the astral. And that's when we see people, when you see people in your dreams and you think, God, this is so real because it is real. It's in our, in the astral. And so. Which um, is another I, level of reality. Yeah. Yeah. Just another dimension there and right above ours or next to it. And I've had many, many experiences like this in the astral. I saw my dad sitting at the edge of the bed. I went and hold his hand and talk to him and many and many experiences. And I love those and I welcome more, you know, it's just, that's magic. You know, we, life is magic. magic. We are magic. We're so magnetic. We're so magical. I know you're working on mediumship too. I don't know if you mind me mentioning yeah. that, but 
we practiced together. You saw my parents. You like saw them to a T. I, I mean, you, the way you were describing them and everything, I was like, oh my gosh, that, they are really there. So there was no I don't way to remember that. I don't, I mean, I re oh. slightly remember practicing with you, but I don't remember what I got or anything, but yeah. thank you. Well, for if saying you can't really hold on to that stuff. I think yeah. it's, people say, oh, do you remember when you're talking about, I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I well, can't hold on to that, but yeah, you, you got my mother, you got, you know, you said some stuff about her body and how she looked and my father and cigars and whatever you, you, oh, you were like, yeah, yeah. So well, one thing, this, this was amazing. So I, I am, I am starting a, a one year intensive uh, mediumship training in January uh, with Suzanne Giesman and it, it's Mavis Patilla's method. She's passed on, but she's a famous medium in England and her wife is continuing the the trainings. And so it's a one year, like every week wow. and you practice with people. So I'm very excited to start that. But I do get some mediumship stuff coming forward now. I just don't hold it long enough to give like a full long reading, but I could you know, bring somebody in. And this was so amazing. One of my friends I, in Seattle, she, her dad died. So she had to go back uh, to Arkansas and close up his house. Well, he was still in the hospital, actually. And she was taking care of him. And then he died. So she came back and I picked her up at the airport. I only know her because she was a good friend of my mom's. And then we became friends. But I don't know anything about her family. Don't know any names. Nobody never met anybody. I don't know about really her life, but we were becoming good friends. So we're in the car, I'm driving. And, and I said, all of a sudden I see a big martini glass in my mind's eye, just a huge martini glass. And I said, Oh, I'm, I'm, I see a big martini glass. I said, did your dad drink martinis? And she goes, Oh my God, that, that was our drink together. We drank martinis. And I said, he's showing me it straight up. And she goes, yes, straight up with olives. And I said, oh my gosh, well, he's showing me that. She goes, what? Because she's not into this stuff. She's never experienced it. She goes, wow. what? And I said, well, and then all of a sudden I see he shows me ugly toenails, like yellow kind of yucky Ew. toenails. And I said, he's showing me some yellowish yucky toenails. Did he, was his toenails bad? And she goes, Oh my God, he had me covering his toes in the hospital because they were so bad. His toenails were so bad. He was embarrassed. And I said, well, that's what he's showing. So those were very specific. Yes. Oh, for things. sure. That's called evidential mediumship. Yes. But I wasn't yes. trying to give her a reading. I was driving in the car and he popped in. Right. He, just, he just popped in and you were open. Well, I actually took, I think it was an eight week class with Suzanne Geisman. Okay. Uh, yeah. Through the shift network. So, okay, yes, this is through the shift network. This, oh, it is. This I'm sure that with that year-long practice, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to get really good at that because you already have the knack, you know? Have so, it. I am a medium, but it's not to the point, you know, it's, yeah. it's not at the level that I would, I would just offer mediumship readings. Well, it's really funny because when I did that, you have to practice and I, I don't really care about the evidence. I know other people who might have trouble believing, appreciate the evidence because that's a real sign and proof that they're talking to that individual. But what would happen to me was I would get messages. Mm -hmm. And so in my little practice group, I would say, oh, there's a message from you from a woman on your mother's side, blah, blah, blah. I would try to identify who the person was and I would give the message. Somebody said, you're cheating. I'm like, what? You're cheating because you're using your intuition. I'm like, okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't for me, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah with mediumship they really want that evidential mediumship to prove this is that person instead yeah. of otherwise it's more like a psychic reading right so yeah. james von prague is very stringent on that you know 
so yeah it is something that really it takes a skill to do and not mix mix it together because james yeah. von park will say it's not you don't mix psychic readings with mediumship you do it clear you know clear cut i mean we can do whatever we want but yeah. see well, that's I, how i mean to me if i was going to a medium i'd want a message from my parents i wouldn't just want to yeah. know that i have a cup that's got a smiley face on it which is what i was told i mean yes it was impressive that i have a smiley face cup in our house but what does that do for me I don't care. Well, it's so usually they will give like three pieces of evidence. So that would be evidence sure. and they'll give a message from them. But what it proved, what I like about that is it proves they're there. Oh, yeah, she was standing in her kitchen yes. when she was cleaning that cup. So, okay, yes. yeah. So if you're the kind of person who needs evidence, yes. then it's fantastic because you're going to get several pieces of evidence. I, I want to know that our our family loved one is okay. They are. They do still yes. live. They are here. That so that yeah. will help could heal people with that. Oh, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So for me, I have no question in my mind that just because somebody passes over doesn't mean they're in trouble. You right. know, I just assume they're fine. They're just in another realm. You know, yeah. so I, that's where. Hey, I worry about a lot of stuff, but that's luckily that's not one. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to share about Halloween or the spirit world or anything before we wrap up today? Enjoy this season. You know, it's it goes by fast, but it is so special and magical. And, you know, what I've been doing is just going to look into my town. Well, I mean, Los Angeles, you can do I'm in L.A. for the for a couple months. Then I'm going up to Seattle for December and January. But if you can go to a group thing or just connect with people or full moon ritual or anything, you know, just to put some more magic into your life. I think it really helps you celebrate the season and just enjoy and uh, stay in your magic, everybody. Oh, that's fabulous. And I agree. This is a very magical time of year. And everybody talks about how the veil is thinner. So if you have any interest, go try things. Get together yeah. with other groups of people who are doing it because that amplifies the energy and have fun with it because magic makes the world fun. And right now we need more fun. It does. And I'm happy. I don't know about you, but well, Red Eagle told me in one, uh, I've had been to so many circles with him and he told me that I'm going to at 80 and 90, I'm going to be having even more fun than I am now. I'm going to be in my little house with my crystal ball and tarot cards, giving people reading. And, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm already doing that, but, at, but, you know, at, imagine at 80 and 90, just being in your magic, having so much fun and giving people magical messages. It's like, yeah, that, uh, and if it's in the forest, it'll be even better for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Marla, thank you so much and happy Halloween, everyone. Thanks, Ronnie. Thank you for joining me in this sacred space on your journey to clarity and spiritual growth. If you're at a crossroad in the middle of a life crisis or challenge, try intuitive coaching or book an intuitive or past life reading at intuitiveedge.biz. Enjoyed our time together? Please rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend to spread the magic. Until next time, this is Ronnie and Ryan wishing you love and magic.